Hi, welcome to Revved Up for Sunday. We are the clergy of St. Mark's Episcopal Church in New Canaan, Connecticut. I'm Justin Crisp. I'm Elizabeth Garnsey. And I'm Peter Walsh. And every week we're taking a look at the gospel lesson assigned for the coming Sunday to help us and to help other preachers and to help all the people of God get revved up to hear the word in the word, as it were. And this word is from the Gospel of John. We're again in the farewell discourse. Uh, Jesus is rehearsing a lot of themes that we've heard before from the farewell discourse in the last couple of weeks of the lectionary, but this week we're getting it in the context of the Feast of Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit. Here, Jesus tells his disciples, I'm going to send you an advocate, and he doesn't mean a lawyer. Let's hear the scriptures. A reading from the Gospel according to John, the 14th chapter, beginning at the 8th verse. Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I live with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. The Gospel of the Lord. So what do you guys what do you guys make of this? What do you guys I know that we've got a lot of stuff that we've <laughs> talked about before. We have some similar themes coming up. We got more father son spirit stuff. But what do you what do you make of this in this context? In this liturgical context in the you know with the emphasis on the spirit. What do you guys see or hear here differently than we have in previous weeks with the farewell discourse? Um let's see. Well, you know, here we are at Pentecost and we're we're uh Back in the scripture, we have heard, as you mentioned before, in this season or in Easter, and um, I, I just would start, I think, with the framework of John, as as I do like to do. Um, that in this final discourse, Jesus is kind of preparing his disciples for his absence, for life in his absence and physical absence, and um, you know, I mean, he's leaving, they're staying, someone else is coming to help them along they're stuck on him leaving and they can't really wrap their heads around that. And, and it goes back to the, you know, chapter 13, Peter 
saying, but where are you going and why can't we come too? And then, and then we get to Thomas just before this passage and Thomas says, well, we don't know where you're going and how can we know the way? Jesus says, you'll know the way. And Thomas is like, what? we don't know where you're going. <laughs> and then we get Philip here. Lord, just, just show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. You know, they can't really accept that he's leaving and they, they really can't understand why they can't come to and what's happening. So there, um, Philip, you know, we pick up with Philip, but, but it's been a drumbeat of kind of like, but, 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 you know, we don't really get it. And um, I think that's sort of sweet and amusing and tender and, you know, um, pathetic in the sense of pathos, mm. you know, that it, a ache for them because it's a time of anxiety and fear and the unknown and all that stuff. And, um, and they love him, you know, and I like this idea that, uh, Jesus takes the time to prepare them, you know, and it's a different kind of anticipation than we get in the other gospels. Like Mm -hmm. Luke says, um, just go to Jerusalem and wait there and, you know, (laughs) it'll happen. And, and Jesus is saying, this is kind of a, smooth transition you know i will send the holy you're gonna have the spirit that you have now in me in you you know yeah so i i like in john this a little bit more gentle um assurance that he's giving them it's different it's a different kind of pentecost type Mm. it's not an event as much as a reality that he's trying to help them realize Mm. so Mm. um you know given that we'll hear this on pentecost it's it's a whole different story than we're going to actually hear in church with the Acts reading, with mm-hmm. all the different languages and stuff. But it's sort of it's sort of a wonderful exchange. So maybe I'm I start there. Yeah. With my first thoughts. I uh, and, and thank you for starting it in John in the context of Pentecost, which you invited. I the context for me is uh, show us the Father and we will be satisfied, mm-hmm. which I think is another one of these most underrated sentences in the New Testament, because mm-hmm. I think it speaks to uh, the 6.8 billion people that live in the world uh, and to the great 23 percent of America who are nuns n o n e s, and and it speaks to the faithful uh, who have faith in in. Uh, and help us with our doubt. And, and, and Jesus is preparing them for his death, as you said. And, you know, just you were at the funeral, just did a funeral this morning where there was great sadness at the loss of a man of love. And uh, there was some sense that uh, of handing him over uh, to the divine and the question of the satisfaction of the soul uh, to know that God is real and that we can trust to hand over our loved ones to uh, the divine life. In my father's house are many, as you talked about, mansions, so to speak, or dwelling places, abodes, mm-hmm. uh, which is in, as you pointed out, in that previous chapter. And in other words, God is present in many different places and different realities. And 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 Philip is just like, oh, okay, but can we just see that God is real? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's what to my mind is. This. Right. It's like, okay, yeah. we, uh, we got that, Jesus. You, you know, I got it, got it. But can we just see that this is all real? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, we get that whole thing in the Bible of seeing is knowing, right? You know, you, you still do not know me. So seeing and knowing in the, in the, in the Scripture is such an important thing. And, and we get here, uh, I mean, uh, which you're an undoubtedly an expert in the beatific vision, the whole uh, idea of the traffic to movement to holiness, 
uh, in our tradition was that you would see God face to face, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blessed are the pure of heart, shall they shall see God. Paul's we see in the mirror dimly, then we shall see face to face. Your face, you know, from the, from the Psalms, your face I see, do I seek. All of this stuff to me is the hunger of the soul to know that God is real. This is the depth of everything. I think this sentence is so key. And how do you get there? You know, and so, you know, we're going to talk about that. What, what is Jesus's role in the incarnation? What is the role of the spirit and bring us there? But uh, the, the place that I land is in the last sense, which is, um, you know, him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I mean, I, after spending so much time with this, I'm noticing in my own meditation in the mornings that um, it's all about abiding in the abode. Mm-hmm. That's mm. what that's all we're doing. We're just abiding in the abode. That 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 the spirit, uh, the Trinitarian spirit, is present in our abode, making home in us, mm-hmm. and we are to abide in the home. And if you abide in the home, you start to develop that 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 sight of satisfaction over time. Mm-hmm. That that's mm-hmm. that you know that's kind of as I begin to understand some of this. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And I'm, I'm with you on uh, Philip's question, Peter. Lord, show us the Father where we will be satisfied. I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, like just show us it's real already. Um, what it reminds me of, uh, what it reminds me of is I think it's a saying of Kierkegaard, but I'm not 100% sure. I think it's Kierkegaard. Uh, Kierkegaard, it's not exactly a saying, but I, th- I, think, it's, I think this is Kierkegaard. Kierkegaard made the point that um, we often envy, modern Christians often envy the early church or they envy the Mm. disciples. Mm -hmm. We think, we say, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. But we say, if only we were there, we could have actually met him. Mm -hmm. Then we would be satisfied. And Kierkegaard's point, if I'm remembering correctly, is, well, actually, if you're reading the Gospels, they had just as hard a time with Jesus, even though they had him right in front of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. though they could smell the dude, mm-hmm. right? They still Literally. said things like, Lord, show us the Father and we would be satisfied. That's exactly right. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm really into the smell of Christ, right? The, the pleasing aroma from they the... They didn't uh, shower, so... That's I mean. <laughs> Probably yeah, not pleasing. Uh, I, yeah, oh, man, uh, we're going to go down that rabbit hole. Uh, so now that you all have that incredibly vivid image at home, <laughs> uh, image is not the right word, that aroma at home. The incarnation. Uh, even if you can smell Jesus, you're still going to be tempted to say, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Right. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of a conversation that I had with a member of our... Um, a member of our youth group recently where we were uh, this member of the youth group was saying well how do we know any of it's real like and why why doesn't god just show us mm-hmm. why doesn't god just show us and oh my gosh i feel that kind of impatience all the time too in my own life i'm like why doesn't god just show mm-hmm. us just show up uh and it i was talking to this member of the youth group about um the philosopher pascal and Pascal, this is the crazy stuff that happens in the youth group in St. Mark's Church in New Canaan, Connecticut, right? Talking about Pascal. And Pascal in his pensées says that um, God hides God's self. And God hides God's self. God doesn't reveal God's self with all of like the, 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 with all the fireworks, as it were, to all of creation in a kind of un deniable way in a kind of undeniable way like i know that the that the table is in front of me and this is a pen and the two of you are sitting here and that kind of thing god doesn't reveal god's self in that kind of way because if god was to do so we would all be terrified into obeying god 
And that there's something about God's hiddenness. There's something about the fact that we have to look and search for God. That the Spirit's dwelling within us, but we can miss the Spirit if we don't attend to the Spirit, right? Jesus can be right in front of them. They can smell him. But Philip can still not see the Father in Jesus, even though the Father is in Jesus. There's something about that which is a kind of, which is a kind of act of love on God's part. Because God doesn't want for God's creatures to be scared into loving God. God wants for God's creatures to freely choose to love God in return. And the, the Pascal's idea was that if God was just to reveal God's self without the veil of Jesus's humanity, as it were, without the veil of creation, without the veil of the sacraments, if God was to be unmediated, just like, bam, we're right there all the time, we would just be, we would just be like, oh my gosh, well, here's this thing which looks like a mushroom cloud with a nuclear bomb. I better obey this thing. That way I can stay on its good side. And that's the opposite of the way that God relates to the world. God relates to the world as, as, uh, as the one who loves it into being and as the, the one who loved it into being so much that this God just wants to abide in it, to abide with us, to make God's home in it with us. Um, I don't know that the, that a member of our youth group found that incredibly satisfying uh, as an explanation of why God doesn't just show us. But I don't think it's meant to be satisfying. I think both Kierkegaard, if I remember that correctly, I think both Kierkegaard and Pascal are saying, look, yep, everybody wants to just be shown the Father. Everybody says, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Everybody does that. And there may be a profound, valuable spiritual point to the fact that God is not shown to us. The Father is not shown to us incontrovertibly, undeniably. Well, then so you on. get Jesus' answer uh, that says, I've been with you all this time, and can't you see? This is the, you know, this is, yeah. this is the Father. And he says, how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? So I do think that God really intends to show God's self in Jesus and really intends for us to see that that's what God is like. Yeah. And not just that that's what God is like, but that is God, you know? And I feel like um, that may be a shift in human consciousness or whatever from the mm -hmm. time of Moses when Moses is saying, I want to see God's face. And God says, you would not be able to handle what you mm -hmm. see, you know? And here Jesus is saying, yeah. you know, or God, you know, comes into human form to be known mm -hmm. and not to be hidden, but to be shown in a way that we can handle it. So, um, you know, the incarnation doesn't end with Jesus dying and and rising and being taken back up to the Father, but it's in, infused into the people with this spirit. You know, the mm -hmm. incarnation, you know, we've been through this in some iterations yeah. before, but yeah, I feel yeah, like, yeah. you know, God, Jesus, there, there's a shift here. It's radical. I mean, that's the radical fact of the incarnation is that God comes to be known, mm -hmm. you know, in a way that we can experience and see and smell yeah. and touch and and enter into. So in a way, Pascal is saying something profound, but maybe more to um, a mosaic mindset. Mm, mm, mm. Not that I would argue with Pascal. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I, I'm just going to yeah. just name and claim that how many youth groups are talking about Pascal? St. <laughs> <laughs> Mark's Church in New Canaan, one, Connecticut. One. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, I, you know, uh, you're 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 noting Jesus's response. Uh, yeah. I, I must say, 
I would say that I would have been Philip uh, here and that Jesus, I mean, Jesus seems mildly uh, perturbed isn't quite the right word, but kind of like, ah, oh, mm-hmm. you know, really? Oh. Mm. Uh, and yet giving, you know, the Hebraic mindset of the transcendence of God, the idea that there could be any kind of incarnational claiming. I mean, we're, 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 we, we have these incarnation glasses yeah. on, so mm-hmm. we can think, oh, but yeah, got it. Mm-hmm. But if you're living it in real time, I think it's actually harder to know. Not, mm-hmm. you know, back to uh, Kierkegaard's point here, yeah. it would be harder to know, uh, do you still not know me? And when he, the Father's in me, and, and I think this is language, this is language that's not, we don't see this in the Hebrew scriptures. We don't have this, right. this, this, indwell, this indwelling language in the same way. We do have the word is in you and things like that. It's not to say it's not, not, not without internal indwelling uh, references, but not in the way that this is, the Father's in me and I'm in the Father kind of thing. And, and, and so in John, you know, I was talking about the, the abiding in the abode here, but clearly, and I mean, in John's language, that we get access to this through belief, right? So he mm-hmm. uses the word belief three times, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. Uh, in the intensity of this, we get, show us, oh man, I've been showing it to you, right? right. right. Look and yeah. see, here it is. Believe, believe, believe. Uh-huh. Very truly, I tell you, believe. And, and John's believing isn't just an intellectual ascent, like, mm-hmm. ah, I mm-hmm. believe that two plus two is four. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's to live into believing, to throw yourself in the pool and learning to swim mm-hmm. in it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so he's saying, you know, if you, if you can throw yourself completely into knowing and living out that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me, and, and launch yourself, you have, to, you have to existentially launch yourself mm. into this thing of Jesus, then that's right. you get you get this uh, greater works question here no, mm-hmm. that, that all of a sudden, but you, yeah. you're not, this doesn't come, this doesn't come because you're like, oh, you know what, I actually, I, I do believe it, just like I believe two plus two is four, and therefore, whatever I ask in Jesus's name, I'm going to do like Jesus, you know, somebody stole my son's catalytic converter, and so would you just get another catalytic converter and install it? Because we don't have a new catalytic converter yet, you know mm-hmm. that's not to say that that's a whole other topic, and we can touch on it in a moment. But to say I would ever ask in my name, that means in the being of Jesus, right? But that's mm-hmm. we can get to that in a moment. But I, so I think that there's uh, again, it's, it's super duper unpacking here about what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, completely no brainer mm-hmm. stuff in my book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we could spend our whole lives contemplating yeah this. unpacking this right. and right. i'm remind i'm going back to where we were with i think easter one mm. where um you know mary mistakes jesus for the gardener yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, still maybe yes. the best part of any podcast in the 42 podcast or something oh. your gardener story there that yeah, was totally. that was that was a total well, what if he was the gardener? total total that might be the greatest hit yeah but it, you know it really um you know it does take us back to the primal mm-hmm idea that God wants wanted to be in our company we, we needed yeah. us to be in company and we needed need God in our company and when he's walking around in the cool of the garden there's no fearsome presence or hide yourselves I'm coming it's more like where are you I'm looking for you mm. and they're naked they're vulnerable they're completely bare and 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 there's nothing mm-hmm. you know yeah. I just feel like that's the original intent and that we're meant to see God in flesh like yeah. you know and yeah. i feel like that's where jesus is possibly like so exasperated that oh no you know it's been so set up to be there's been such a division 
between God and humanity that it's it, will it ever be possible to breach this chasm? Mm. So in a way, I, I like this. And I love the idea of whatever you ask my name, it's sort of what you say to your kids, I'll do anything for you. But then they go out and ask for a car and an elephant and, you know, tattoos or whatever. And it's like, that's not what I meant. <laughs> um, you know, you'll want to, you will do, you'll give, you'll go to any length for them. It's what, it, what I think it means, you know, and Jesus would do anything. God will do anything, but we just think it's transaction, you know, mm. and that our prayers are failing if we're not getting what we're asking for. You know, it's not really about that. So I love this. The pathos of this is like very intense. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, I, I think that um, this exchange between Philip and Jesus happens in our lives all of the time. Yes. I It happens in my life anyway. I'm like... Lord, show us the Father and I will be satisfied. And then Jesus says, have I been with you this whole time, Justin, and yet you still don't know me? Right? Uh, I mean, I just think it happens over and over and over again. The story, well, there's so many stories in the Gospel of John. but One of the stories is God's desire, God's aching desire to be known. Right? Mm -hmm. And one of the most painful lines of the prologue is he came to his own, yet his own did Mm -hmm. not know him. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, and the the light shines in the darkness, the darkness does not overcome it. But then you still have this painful, like... But, but but we didn't know him. But we didn't know him. So I, you know, I read this and I'm kind of like, well, where am I missing Jesus right now? Right? Mm-hmm. Where in my own life? Where is, where would Jesus say, oh, dude, Justin, I've been with you this whole time and yet you still don't know me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, um, I mean, there's so much else here. I wonder if we might touch on this stuff about works, right? Uh, the, the works in which he says that, you know, uh, you can believe in me because of the works themselves. You know, is he referring to signs there? But then also you're, you touched on it, do greater works than these, right? Does this mean, is this Jesus saying, you've already said no, uh, but I wonder if you might, might say more about it, because I think it's just really easy to misunderstand what Jesus' intent here is. Mm-hmm. Is Jesus saying, you know, um, if you believe in me enough and you ask me to heal your mother-in-law of glioblastoma. And if you ask me to heal her in my, if you ask me to heal her in my name long enough, I'm going to do it for you. And then if they don't, they're like, oh, well, I guess Jesus was wrong. Or I guess I didn't, I, did I not pray hard enough? Did I not ask him in my, in his name enough, et cetera, et cetera. Is that what he's referring to here? Or what is he, what is this new, he's calling his disciples into some kind of new relationship to him and the power of the Spirit. What is it? Wow, that's a serious question. So um, as we move, uh, what you just said, we move from the person of Jesus now to the power of Jesus in Mm -hmm. this question. And how we access the power of Jesus. And uh, I would say that uh, from the spiritual tradition, this is a complex question, but that no prayer is without its benefits. That all all prayer, which as Augustine worked out in the Pelagian controversy, uh, begins and ends in God, uh, and that uh, that um, Brother Martin Smith, uh, formerly of the Saudi Saint John the Evangelist, used to talk a lot about about prayer as entering the divine tapestry. Mm. And so our prayer goes up, just like our intercessory prayers that we have, goes up uh, for the, the people that we pray for in our parish community, which we do daily. And we and our intention in this prayer 
is that so-and-so be made well of such-and-such. And we enter that, and we let it go, and then the prayer enters, my, perhaps we might say it's in the divine realm, and, and goes down underneath the tapestry and pops up somewhere. Whether or not prayer results in the, the, the curing of such-and-such such, uh, is beyond our ability to know as we move into the divine economy of the spirit, which is beyond our knowing. Um, we see at best in the mirror dimly here. And, and so when you come to this question of whatever you ask in my name, I understand that to be uh, that, uh, that the name um, is not just, uh, you know, Elizabeth or Justin or Peter. This is name as being uh, uh, our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy being. And so if you say whatever you ask in my being in the, in, that is consonant with my being, uh, and just in the Lord's Prayer, we get thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that the, the asking in the context of the being of Jesus would have also to do, um, you know, the, with the will of Jesus that, and the divine will that might be lived out uh, in Jesus. So, so, we get, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son, right? So mm -hmm. this always comes back mm -hmm. to the Father and the Son uh, and and the question, if you ask anything, I, I will do it. But it seems to me uh, that there's no basis for belief that this is true, given the data of 2,000 years, that, that in every case this is true. There is, no, there is no basis for this, to believe that this is true on the flat, on the flat. Mm -hmm. Jesus, you know, heal my mother. There's no basis for belief in this. And so how are we to contend with it? Well, we, we wrestle with it. Uh, and there's there's things like my five minute explanation about this, um, mm -hmm. but it is it is not an it's not a no brainer. I believe that there is is great truth in this that 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 more often we step back from stepping out in Jesus's name to ask for things. I think we're mm. too I think we're too shy with our prayers oftentimes, mm. but whether or not they come out as we desire, I don't know. Sorry for the long winded answer. No, that's really. But I, uh, to say I, I'm some level not sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that even as Jesus walked around in his time, he didn't stop and heal or feed or treat every person on the road. I mean, yeah. the, the pool point, of Siloam, he didn't cure everybody at the pool of Siloam. Right. Oh, One guy. Yeah, and he yeah. and right. it's not the point wasn't miracle after miracle. The point was to show the Father. It was to mm. show. It was to. Um, it was to bring all things into union, you know, and I, mm -hmm. and I think that that's the continuing work of Jesus in all the followers of Jesus with this advocate and the spirit that to continue the work and we'll do greater works than these. What does that mean? Maybe, um, you know, heal tribalism, like go beyond what could ever have happened in the first century. And um, maybe this speaks to the unimaginable things in the first century context. Um, I don't know what, but, you know, greater peacemaking or what, whatever that we still have not achieved. But um, the like I was saying before, I don't think it's transactional that whatever we ask will be done. It's more, um, you know, whatever lengths you need me to go for you, I will go. Mm. <laughs> you know, and I think that that's a more nuanced position and it's also just on a whole different level of psychology of you know consciousness in a way mm. um 
you know, Jesus himself said, the poor will always be with you. And we know that there's always going to be suffering. And um, I don't know, is the point really to heal my aunt? Or, you know, we always want our loved ones to be healed and whole, but it's mm-hmm. so, it's such a um, vicious thing to think if only you prayed harder, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. It's this so is, I, I'm so with right. you in that. I know you're going to yeah. talk because I want to leave no, you in time, please, but I would say that the, that's important. The, the, we get into the pastoral question of prayer, and this also gets into the pastoral question of the power of positive thinking, right? right. And you, you might oh, want to man. touch on that because I got a lot saying that, and I know you do too. <laughs> so I can even hand that to you if you want to say yeah, the limits going. of. Well, so it is definitely true. Norman Vincent Peale was onto something. Power and positive thinking is... He said that the is, cost is a kind of a plus sign. Uh, well, then he was not onto that. But anyway, uh, I mean... John and the Cot told uh, him that. That's pretty funny. <laughs> no, that isn't funny. That is, that is yeah, worthy of your response. But the uh, we all know that positive thinking does make a difference. Take a look at any athletic... Uh, performance. I mean, the the, the downhill uh, sl- giant slalom people do the whole course in their mind right before they do it because they, they don't have time and all this stuff. But the power of positive thinking does not bring divine results. And so the question of people who think the only reason they have cancer is because they're too negative in their thinking or they're not right. positive enough uh, to cure it. That is a diabolical thing. That is absolutely diabolical. Mm-hmm. It's dead wrong, so to speak. Dead Agreed. wrong. Mm-hmm. Agree. Okay. I'm totally with you. I mean, I think that what... um. I think there are a couple of clues here in the passage that can help us here. One is the um, one is that the context of these sayings is talking about works, right? And I think that the works are. I think you're 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 onto something, Elizabeth, uh, in the fact that Jesus, in none of the gospels, does Jesus fix everybody's problems. He mm-hmm. doesn't do that, right? He has a different agenda. Um, and so the works that, that Jesus is referring to here are foremost his works, right? These are the works, the signs in the Gospel of John, in John's language, yeah. uh, that would, would produce this existential leap, which John calls belief, that you were referring to, this existential um, this leap off of, the, off of the existential cliffs that then you begin to occupy, uh, you begin to occupy space in this divine abode, in this divine world, and then you can, anyway, uh, uh, sorry, I was getting lost. There. No, I love the but imagery. Anyway. No, I was like, yeah, keep going. Keep going. Uh, yeah. That's good. But, so it's, he's talking about his works. And what are the works? Well, I think that the works are – what a miracle is, is it's, um, it's the world perfectly aligned with the will of God. It is the life and the desire of God coming into perfect fruition – and that what we see in Jesus' healing miracles in the Gospels, what we see in Jesus casting out demons, is we see the world remade aright. Mm-hmm. And that what we're doing when we're praying is we are bringing ourselves into alignment. We're willing ourselves into alignment with that divine reality, with the will of God, with the desire of God. And sometimes, and I would say that always bears fruit. That always bears fruit, right? And I, I think that it is by the power of the Spirit who dwells within us that we pray uh, so that in just the act of praying, what we do is we enter into our inmost selves, into the interior castle of our souls, as Teresa of Avila would put it. And what we find there is that the Spirit, the Advocate, which has been given to us by the by uh, by Jesus, um, is already in there praying. <laughs> and so we we enter into this divine flow of life, love, and and conversation of a kind. Uh, of God with God. So we bring ourselves, our souls into alignment, right? And when we do that, we desire the things that God desires. And I think God desires our aunt to be healed. I think God desires the world to have fewer mass shootings. I believe that God desires for the world to have no mass shootings. I think I should say that a little stronger, more strongly, right? But 
the, 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 the world as we currently have it, like human beings as we currently have it, are not actually perfectly in alignment with God's will and desires. Sometimes God's will and desires are frustrated. And sometimes your aunt doesn't get healed, healed because the, just because the world is, comp is composed in such a way that her healing is impossible. Now, sometimes people are healed. I mean, I, 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 and that's mysterious. And I, I'm, I'm with you that I think we often undersell our prayers. And I think that we should be bold in our praying and then, then let it go. And then let it go. But I, I do, um, I mean, the longer that I'm a priest, the freakier things I see, right? So I came out on the podcast as somebody who's been a part of an exorcism a couple of weeks ago. I would say that I did healing prayers for, for a person here very on in my ministry. And I was in a kind of like, I was in a kind of Schleiermacher, miracles don't really happen kind of space. And I was like, I don't know why I'm saying this prayer because I don't expect this per I mean, maybe I'm going to, maybe this person will feel better about their illness after I say this prayer. But I was just like, I'm just going to do it. Okay. I'm just going to read the prayer. I'm just going to read the words from the prayer book. And this person was suffering from a mental illness. And um, they came back the next week and they said, oh my gosh, Father Justin, I no longer am experiencing X mental illness. And I'm like, Really? <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding? Uh, and, and I'll just say, I just left it at that. I didn't know what to make of it. I still don't know what to make of it. But I just, um, and I don't, uh, I, you know, uh, I still don't know what to make of it. All I'm saying is that there, there, you're, you're fond of the, the, the phrase from Alfred Lord Tennyson, greater things are wrought by prayer than the world dreams of. I think that's true. And yet, sometimes the world, the world that we live in is not yet the 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 world which is the perfect expression of god's will and desire and love right but prayer is putting ourselves in that alignment in that divine flow regardless of how the world is okay. and i think that vision of the world is is one that's um one that's stitched throughout john's gospel so when john's referring to the world john is referring to a lot of very complicated notion right it's not just material creation although it can include certain aspects of material creation but the world is everything that says no to God, basically. The fallen world. It's the fallen world, exactly. So it's not like Most the world like world. Yeah. it's not like the world like the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. It's the world like uh, mm -hmm. the I, mess. The mess. Yeah, the front page of the paper. The mess. Sorry. Yeah. What do you have to say about this, Elizabeth? I I um don't want to cut you off. I want to no, leave you time. I, I know we off. need to we need to keep need to uh, wrap things up, but I want for you to have mm -hmm. time to say a word. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, I think that the one of the messages here about the getting the Holy Spirit to come, you know, advocate it for us, comfort us, this word advocate in the Greek, it's paraclete, you know, the comforter, the one to um, ask on your behalf. Um, I think that the, the message Jesus is saying is this, the point of this is to remind you of me, my teachings, keep you grounded in my being and in my word and in my teaching and have peace you know give you peace with all the agitation in the world all the not healings all the mental illness you know all the ways that we're troubled jesus is saying you know right within you is this you can access this right here right now right in you it's not out there somewhere it's not some elusive thing that you have to claim and name and ask in my name and then it'll be done it's it's within so i i really really feel that the thing I believe in the most is that we each are given this inner resource. It's not 
in of, and of ourselves, but it's given to us. And we walk around with it in every minute of every day and we don't know it, <laughs> you know? Mm. And I, I really want to, str- I can't stress that enough because I think that even, even when we're born into the world, we, ha- we are given this and we have to come into our lives where in order to see it again and to come to know it somehow. And Jesus is talking to his disciples and they need to know this, but um, I think it's a reality that we're created with. Mm. And, uh, you know, to, to follow Jesus is to never lose sight of that. Um, but I love what you're saying about prayer. I think prayer, you know, as you, as you, your anecdote is powerful because you were like, what up? you know, but you acquiesced, you said, I'm going to say the prayer, you know, you took the leap. And I think that even if you're reading words on a page, it's not you qua Justin, right, right, right. you know, it's, or any of us qua priest that are making this happen or whether we believe it or not. You know, but putting ourselves in the river of the flow, you know, we're joining that person's soul with ours and who knows what, you know, I mean, God works, but I I think it's, it's partly just our releasing our Mm. hold on, on things that, um, and letting God act through us, you know, that whether it's just words on a page or silence together or something, prayer takes any form the spirit wants it to take if we're just willing to let it flow, right? So mm. that's what I hear, mm. hear you saying in yeah. that story is like, even in your Schleiermacher state of mind. <laughs> I'm in a Schleiermacher state of mind. <laughs> I, I need a T-shirt that says that. Jay-Z. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> state of mind. I can see that. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, it doesn't matter. Because <laughs> you can be floating on your, your raft down the river of, of the spirit. Absolutely. And it, it, can, it can work. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Well, I just want to say one more thing. I know yeah. we're forever long, and if you're still hanging with us oh. in this podcast, you're, you're moving towards sanctification in a big way. <laughs> Check your uh, spirit. Uh, you're on yeah, the divine yeah, river. You're on a tube. Or else you so have nothing else to do with your life. We thank you for hanging in. Um, I, I spent the weekend with the man uh, who used to be, as you know, Bishop Tutu's chaplain, and we got talking mm-hmm. about something. Um, I don't remember what led to this point, and he said, um, I... People didn't come to uh, Bishop Tutu for uh, advice, you know, one-on-one. That this wasn't his thing. But he had an extraordinary ability to read the room or to read mm. to read large crowds. And uh, the stories of him staying next to Bishop Tutu and the, the, just like one small match would ignite a, um, a melee in which there would be death, how Bishop Tutu read all this. Mm. And uh, this man, Chris, Chris Ahrens, who's uh, a mentor and role model um, for me, said that he uh, he was his chaplain, and that means he drove him places, did everything. I mean, he like, I mean, he spent 13 hours a day with him. Wow. Mm. Uh, and that, that, that Bishop Tutu was often hunched in the back seat of the car. Uh, they, they drove in silence. He didn't, most of the time they didn't talk, because mm. Bishop Tutu used that time to pray. Mm. And that he prepared for every gathering by prayer, either with his head in his prayer book or by meditating, would enter in the room. And he believes that he was able to do these things. You're talking about greater things than I, doing in my name. You're talking about tribalism. There was some <laughs> intense tribalism there mm-hmm. in the apartheid years of, of, of South Africa in the Diocese of Cape Town. Mm-hmm. And that he would have this deep grounding, uh, abiding in the spirit that was in him and have a peacefulness about him so that when he entered into these absolutely um, fraught situations of, of malignancy, spiritual malignancy, malignancy in every way, uh, that he was able 
to to move and understand and to be an instrument of God's peace in these situations mm-hmm. because he was so grounded in the spirit. So mm-hmm. the spirit lived in him and through him and and advocated for that which was the spirit of truth, the truth and reconciliation, uh, advocated for peace, mm-hmm. my peace I give you, added in all this stuff mm-hmm. came through Bishop Tutu, which is why if he were Roman Catholic, we would be on the fast, mm-hmm. the fast path toward beatification and, and sanctification mm-hmm. as a saint. Yeah. Uh, it was not just Bishop Tutu who himself did have a natural born delight spirit, but it was his holiness of the indwelling that lived out through his mm-hmm. external life, his vocation, who he was on the inside became the action of his outsideness. Mm. And I think that that is in some sense what Jesus had in mind when he's talking about all this stuff. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're totally right. It reminds me of um, uh, Paul saying, um, it is no longer I, but Christ who lives within oh, yeah. me. Right. The, the, yeah. What it means for full, a human being to be fully alive is for the spirit of God, the spirit of Jesus, to dwell inside of us and for us to get out of the way and to let God work. Yeah. Within us, without us, for our own sake, uh, which is a which is a phrase that I love from Marguerite Perrette, uh, the medieval mystic. Within us, without us, for our own sake. Anyway, incredible, incredible, incredible stories here uh, and incredible um Incredible digesting of, of an incredible passage here for uh, for the Feast of Pentecost. So as we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit, I know it's our collective prayer that, that the advocate would be given, uh, with the advocate, that you would come into a greater knowledge that the advocate has been given you and has been given you forever, as the Lord says, and that uh, in the power of that advocate, you might have the peace which he promised his disciples and the peace which he promises all of us. God bless you and happy Pentecost. Oh, 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 oh,